Good morning. It's good to see you all, to be able to worship together this morning. Um, my name is Ryan. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at City Church, and it's such a joy uh, to see you all, to be able to worship together this morning. Uh, I'm so grateful that you would uh, be here with us and um, that we can come together in this place. Um, before we dive into Second Timothy, I uh, do want to um, say two things. First is, if I haven't had a chance to meet you before, um, some of you may know this. If you're a guest this morning, you wouldn't pick up on this, but uh, I was gone for about eight weeks on a sabbatical, which I'm so thankful uh, to our church family for blessing me with that time away. Um, and I'm going to reference some of that. And this series that we've been walking through over the last three weeks is, in some ways, some of the reflections, but also just as I uh, spent time with the Lord, uh, really how he ministered to me. And I felt so, it, it, as, it, as he ministered to me, it would be encouraging to you also. Um, second thing, uh, along those lines, is uh, I'd love a chance to meet you if I haven't had, met you personally before. Next week, uh, we begin our uh, season of Advent, um, and we will uh, begin to just focus our hearts, um, some maybe uh, sort of freshly, but uh, focus our hearts and our attention on the coming of the Messiah and the preparing for that celebration. We'll spend that time together doing that. And as we do that, I want to encourage you to um, take that opportunity to uh, really press in with the Lord. And so we've got some resources that are available uh, for you to use uh, to that end. And one of those is this uh, little devotional book. It's called God With Us, uh, written by a great pastor named Ronnie Martin. And those are going to be available in the cafe. And this resource is uh, for anyone that is a, a teenager or above. Um, in a sense. Anybody that's, uh, you know, teens or above, you can use this as a daily devotional as you prepare and you walk through the Advent season, and I really want to encourage you to do that. We do also have some resources for parents to use with your young children. Um, here is, let me just tell you and confess, even for our lives, kind of what that sometimes looked like uh, before I had the Twin Towers standing beside me. Um, they, uh, we would put a lot of focus and, and attention um, on that time together as a family with our uh, children and sort of walking through the Advent season. I'll just tell you, it was very messy. It didn't ever look perfect, so don't have any weird expectations. It's just going to be kind of crazy, and that's normal and fine, but we would put a lot of attention on that, and sometimes what would happen, not on purpose, but just sort of default, we would put most of our attention on leading our children, and we would forget our own sort of personal time with the Lord and walking through that, and so... Let me encourage you, parents, get this book. Do the stuff with your children, but use this resources to pre prepare your hearts for how you will lead your children, maybe in the evening time or some other part of the day. So grab this resource. Back to guests. The first guest that comes up to introduce themselves to me at the end of the service will get this for free. Um, and so um, just would love an opportunity to meet you. I don't often do that, by the way, so just know um, we would love, I'd love a chance to say hello and uh, get to know you more personally. With that, let's dive into 2 Timothy. As I said, I have spent the last, uh, spent a couple months on sabbatical. I've been back here at the church for a few weeks, and um, it's uh, been such a joy to be back with you. It was very uh, well-spent time with the Lord as I I was away to be just energized and to sort of reinvigorated for the, the work of ministry. Um, and as I spent time on sabbatical, one of the things that I felt periodically um, was this feeling of loneliness. Um, I spent a lot of time alone. If you know me well, you know that's not really my go-to sort of operation. I am a people person. I am energized by people. 
When I'm around people, sort of my cup overflows. Being alone, in a lot of ways, was a new experience. I very rarely even try to venture into those waters just because I enjoy hanging out with people. Now, some of you are the exact opposite of that. You are thinking to yourself, you are a crazy person. Um, You used all the energy it took just to walk through this mass of people to gather here, and you're done. That's like you've been evaporated, and so you need to go be alone, and so there's this, maybe you're the reverse of that. It doesn't matter, but the reality is, is even as a people person or sometimes as someone, maybe you're the opposite of me, who it takes energy. You've got to sort of build up some reserves in order to go spend time with a large group of people. We can sometimes feel very alone, even when we might enjoy that quiet, still time where we're not with people, we can feel alone. The reality, it's deeper. Loneliness, what we talk about and sometimes refer to as loneliness, is not just a matter of being with or without people. There's something that we know is revealed in that. I can tell you about pastoral ministry, you end up carrying a lot of burdens for other people, rightly so. I often carry those burdens somewhat alone, meaning that it's not right for me to share those burdens with anyone else because of the nature of what they are. There's people whom you love, who you give your life to, who for various reasons and in different seasons of life, after you've poured your heart out to them, end up leaving and departing from your life. Again, for many and varied reasons. These are real reminders that everything isn't exactly right. The world is broken. We have that reminder in so many different ways, but that concept of loneliness, some of those emotions that we feel can often lead to those things. I see some of you nodding along with me. It's probably that you're already falling asleep, but I'm going to receive that as you agreeing with me because you've experienced some of those things. You've experienced some of the loneliness and some of those feelings of emotion And as I've said over the last few weeks, that Proverbs 18.24, Jesus is the friend who sticks closer than a brother, minister to me, and he was a friend to me, is a friend to me. In spite of my sinfulness, Jesus calls me friend. It's something that we can all, we should all marvel at. The beginning of that proverb, though, says that a man of many companions may come to ruin. And so we sometimes can be surrounded by people. We can have people all around us. Even in this room, we look all around us and we have people around, and yet I understand that you may feel very, very alone, despite the fact that you are surrounded by people. So how do we carry on when we feel lonely or perhaps abandoned as we're going to look at Paul's life? C.S. Lewis said in his book, Mere Christianity, look for yourself And you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find him. And with him, everything else thrown in. We look, and sometimes many companions, we look for something, we're longing for something, and we hope that maybe that loneliness or that abandonment or those hurts that we feel, those emotions and anxieties that run very deeply in the depths of our souls would somehow be satisfied with those things. What Paul will tell us here in this text, I hope we all might grow in our understanding of the life that we live is that we look for Christ. We look to Christ. He is the only place that any of those hurts can be satisfied. So let's pray. Let me ask the Holy Spirit to help us to believe that this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you 
Thank you for the opportunity to gather with this family whom I love and who I know loves me and open up your word so that you might minister to us through it. I pray that your spirit would speak through me now, that you would move me out of the way. We would hear from you and you alone. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul is writing to Timothy, and in the last chapter of his last letter to Timothy, we get these personal sort of instructions. Um, I don't know about you, but I know it's probably not lost on you that you sort of take Paul's letters or lots of the Bible and you kind of chop off the front. You're like, okay, he's talking to people I don't know. And you chop off the end. You think, ah, he's again talking to people I don't know. I'm not sure what he's telling them to do. And you kind of, you, you look for the meat in the middle. Um, let me encourage you to not do that so often. All of this is God's word and it all can be used to minister to us. And so even in these personal instructions, I believe that we can learn a lot. I know I have learned a lot through the study of this text. But Paul's writing to Timothy, he is in prison in Rome, more than likely soon to be executed, and he's sort of giving Timothy some final instructions about his life and just some things that he longs for. And as he shares these instructions, again, we get a picture of Paul's heart and the things that he is wrestling with. So if we look at verse 9, do your best to come to me soon, for Damas in love with his present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. I could do an entire sermon on verse 10, in love with this present world has deserted me. I'm not going to really spend a lot of time focusing on this, but we can see that this one character, which is more than likely probably a representative, there's probably many people, as we're going to look a little bit later, in Paul's life who found themselves infatuated with the other things of the world, and when it came time, kind of when the chickens came home to roost, they're like, they're not real interested in what Paul's dealing with. They're not real interested in the things of the Lord. They're interested in saving their own lives. Now, we're throwing Damas, Paul threw him under the bus, and we're kind of by extension throwing him under the bus here a little bit as well. We don't know his full heart, but we know that he, Paul is a little bit upset at him for leaving and sort of following the ways of this world. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Those two characters seemingly have been sent out in ministry. So they are not with Paul because they're doing the work of the kingdom. They are on mission. They're doing what they should be doing. Luke alone is the only one who is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me in ministry. Tychicus, again, one who has been sent out. I have sent to Ephesus. And so we see this list of people, and as we jump to verse 16, we see how Paul is thinking about all of these people that have been in his lives. And we just have a short representation in a list form here. But in verse 16, he says, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. Paul is clearly thinking about the people in his life. He's near the end of his life, and as anyone probably would, at the end of his life, he's thinking about all of the names of the people. Now, you can imagine their faces are coming across, and he's sort of remembering them and thinking of them and looking at them, just sort of envisioning, wondering where they're at, and he's saying to himself, they have all deserted me. There's no one here with me. And what that teaches us, what that reminds us, what it reminds me is that loneliness is real. I think too often we sometimes think of these things as loneliness or abandonment or some of the hurts that are at that heart level, and we tell ourselves, and we may even tell others this, ah, just get over it, it'll be fine. You know, go hang out with some people, which that doesn't really ever solve the problem. Loneliness is a real issue. 
And one of the negative effects of the prosperity gospel, it has many tentacles and many negative effects, but one of those in all of its various forms, it has somewhat crept into our thinking sometimes and into the church to think that our loneliness or abandonment or whatever those emotions that we might be feeling, that the reason that we feel those and the reasons that we struggle with those is because there's some lack of faith in our life. And that's just a lie. That's not the truth. Paul himself was feeling abandoned and lonely. He's in prison. He has many reasons to feel this way, but he was hurting, and his hurt was real. Our hurts are real. The loneliness that we sometimes experience is real, and it's a manifestation of the brokenness of this world. Conversely, you might also think or be tempted to think that your feelings of loneliness or abandonment are either a result of unfaithfulness or it could also be that your loneliness and the abandonment, like Paul, is a result of your faithfulness. Paul was faithful in the ministry that God had given him. Clearly, we see so much evidence, of course, a third of the New Testament. Our scriptures today were given to us, letters written by Paul to churches that he planted, a very faithful brother in the Lord. And here he is, lonely and abandoned. And in his mind, in all of the work of ministry that he had done, These few names come to mind, and he's thinking to himself, no one stood by me. Again, we have six names here in this little short passage. Six names are listed. In all of Paul's ministry, in all the churches that he had planted, Philippi, Galatia, Corinth, Colossus, all these places, there wasn't one brother who could come to Rome and stand by Paul when he's facing the trial for his life. Faithfulness had led to, in some senses, Paul's demise. He was being persecuted for the message of the gospel. So don't believe that your loneliness isn't real. Don't believe that it's somehow some punishment from God because of your lack of faith. Loneliness and all of the emotions that we feel are a result of brokenness, sin, that did, Christ did come to redeem, but we experience these things. As I think about loneliness and the realities of it, I'm mindful of how often I encourage our young people to make sure they remain engaged in the life of the church, especially those that leave this place and either move on vocationally or go to school. I know many of our college students are home. Um, you owe me a call, by the way, if you have not yet. But the reason that I encourage you to ensure that you connect with the church family and the Christians in your new community, it might seem like you might wrongly assume that I'm doing that to help you avoid some temptation or something like that. That's not why I do that. I don't encourage you to be engaged in your church and find a church home. No, the reason I do that is because I know as you honor the Lord with your life, as you proclaim the excellencies of him who called you with your life, your body, your decisions, and all the rest, you will more than likely feel very, very alone. You will feel alone in this world. And you might physically, literally be alone. And so we only have one another in those moments. This is what Paul experienced. Again, he lists six friends who aren't with him. Some of them sent out for the sake of the mission, but he felt very abandoned. 
Loneliness is real and it isn't a result of sin in your life. It's a result of the fall. We know this. People are jacked up. We know this because we are jacked up. I opened this morning. I told you as I began, sometimes I feel lonely. I felt that loneliness. I've also, on the other side of the coin, beat myself up because I can't do everything. I forgot to make that call. I wasn't able to make that visit. I wish I could tell you differently, but there's times where we're going to feel abandoned. Even in this amazing church with Christ-like people who love us well, who care and are faithful, we're gonna feel alone. Some of us are gonna be sent away for the mission. We're planting a church next fall. The Bridge Church will launch out and we're gonna say goodbye to some people that we're gonna miss that I love dearly. And when I think of that time and that, that sending out, I can just tell you I'm excited about it, but there is trepidation because these are people whom I love, whom I care for, that I know our regular routine of seeing and being with one another is gonna just be changed. No matter what happens, there's just gonna be a change there and and so I'm going to miss them, and there's probably going to be some times where I feel lonely, and I'm going to think, man, I wish I could hang out with him. It's messy. Some will just leave because whatever. Fill in the blank. Here's what I want to tell you. It happened to Jesus. It happened to Paul. It happened to every single one of the disciples. It happened to the reformers of the church, the church fathers, it's happened to me, it's happened to you. Loneliness is real. And what that reveals to us when we think of and we look at the heart issue and we say, like looking at Paul's life, we see that he felt abandoned and he felt lonely. What that tells us is that friendship is needed. We need friendship with one another. Our loneliness, our despair tells us of our great need of friendship. Look at, again, what does Paul ask for? The first thing he says as he's closing this letter up is, do your best to come to me soon. Timothy, his young brother in the Lord that he often talked about with such love and affection, he missed him. He talks about Luke being with him and there's this need for friendship. And our loneliness is a reminder it's a reminder of our need for a Savior who will never leave or forsake us, who will stay with us even in the valley of the shadow of death. This is, as we think of this, we begin focusing on our need for Jesus. By the way, this is what the Advent season is all about. We're focusing our hearts and our minds on our need for the Messiah. We do that as we look forward in celebrating his first coming, but those of us, because we sit on this side of his resurrection, it calls to mind our heart and our longing, our desire for his second coming, for him to come again. And he will come again, but we long for that because we desire friendship. And Jesus is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. Just as we think to ourselves, our loneliness sometimes might be maybe a weakness or some sin issue, we can wrongly be tempted to think that our need for friendship, again, is something that makes us weak. That's not true. Again, Paul, the Jew of Jews, the Roman citizen, the one who had a closeness with Jesus, 
that allowed him by his spirit to write much of our Bibles and all of his wisdom, Paul even needed friends. Paul needed those brothers and he longed for their companionship and their encouragement. What a blessing that we have one another as a church. We can lean on one another. We can encourage one another. We can strengthen one another. We can be those physical manifestations of Christ filled with the Spirit. We can love one another as Christ has loved us. That's why Jesus gave us his church. It's a gift to us. Too often we think of it as a commodity. We think of it as maybe perhaps something that we need to do in some sort of, again, prosperity gospel. If I do this, then God might bless or something like that. And none of those are the truth. We need one another. We were given to one another in our salvation. This is why Jesus established the church. It's also why we do fight clubs here. If you don't know what that means, that's for time when you come down and visit me and I give you a free book. But essentially, small groups of believers, brothers and sisters gathering together, three or four together at a time, focused on God's word and encouraging one another and building relationship and sharing their hearts with redemptive vulnerability as I talked about last week. Sharing their lives and applying the gospel to it. Loneliness is real and friendship is greatly needed. That friendship that we have, I hope, would always point us as Paul longs for it to do in his life, that Jesus meets us through his word. We meet with Jesus through it. Look again at verse 13. Paul asks Timothy to bring him. First he says, you come to me, but then when you do come, in verse 13, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Traus and also the books and above all the parchments. Paul asked for three things for Timothy to bring him. A cloak. I love just the practical sense of that, by the way. Paul is just cold. He's in a cave, like more than likely a below-ground prison with little sunlight, damp. He's cold. And he wants, his, he wants his coat. And so he asked Timothy to bring him the cloak and then the books and the parchments. And we don't know exactly what those meant. Some believe that maybe there's some legal documents that would have maybe proven his Roman citizenship, would have helped him in his legal arguments. And, but we know that there's more than likely that Paul had possession of some of the scriptures. And he longed to meet with Jesus through his word. So ladies, by the way, when you get out your heated blankets this week and you grab your Bibles, you're just, it's just biblical. It's a very biblical endeavor. If someone mocks you, just tell them you're like Paul. Bring me the blanket and the books. Well, we can know, while we don't know exactly what Paul would receive in those books and parchments, we can know that Paul, in his loneliness, was holding on to the word and his ministry of the word. Paul was desperate for the word of God. He wanted to continue his ministry Paul's ministry was a writing ministry. He wrote, to, he went and planted churches, and then he wrote letters to those churches, and those were preserved for us in the holy word of God so that we might know God through him and through his ministry. And Paul wanted to continue in those things. He would be strengthened by his focus on the word, and Jesus would minister to him through the word. You know, when Paul was abandoned, he testifies that Jesus strengthened him. Look, Again, at verse 16, when he talks about no one coming to stand by him, he then says, but the Lord, verse 17, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. 
so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Paul's abandoned. He's lonely. He's longing for his friend. And he's desperate for the word of God. And it's the word of God that strengthened Paul. I want you to just notice this. The tone of Paul's language in verse 17. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed. When we think of being lonely, being abandoned, if I were to do a word association game, if I said lonely, you would not respond to that with strength. You would not respond to that with boldness. You would not respond to that with proclamation. You would probably, words would come to our minds when we think of lonely, at least when I do this, loneliness, abandonment. I think of timidity. I think of sort of shrink. I think of just sort of hurting and grief and some of the pain that comes with that. But Paul, in his loneliness, in the fact where he said clearly he was abandoned and no one stood by him, yet he says the Lord moved and worked and was proclaimed and the Gentiles heard the message even that. The Lord strengthened me. He was able to stand tall in the midst of the pain that he was enduring. Enduring. In that pain, he was able to proclaim the message of the gospel, even so Gentiles might hear. As I talked about last week, this is the power of that redemptive vulnerability. I share my life with you, the hurts and the pains, but I do so from a position of understanding how the gospel has cleansed me, has helped me, has strengthened me so that I might proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. We referenced 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It won't be on the screen behind you last week, but I just wanted to remind you of what he said to Corinth. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no one would boast before God. Paul is lonely, is abandoned, is hurting, is longing for his friends is desperate for the word of God and he is strengthened by Jesus so that the message would be proclaimed. God chose to use the prisoner to proclaim the message to the captives, to the captors. This is the amazing thing that God does. He turns the world on its head. In God's economy, things are different. Paul's testimony was essentially this. I did what I could I was abandoned and heartbroken, and yet the Lord did great things through me. He sustained me for his purposes. His message wasn't, I was abandoned, and no one stood by me, and I'm mad. He probably was, rightfully so. No, his message was, I was abandoned, and the Lord did great things. A great theologian of our day said it this way, not everyone is meant to make a difference, but for me, the choice to lead an ordinary life is no longer an option. The great Peter Parker, otherwise known as (laughs) Spider-Man. Not everyone is meant to make a difference, but for me, the choice to lead an ordinary life is no longer an option. I think Paul would have said and does say in this text something similar. 
I had no option. I was strengthened by Christ in the midst of my grief, in the midst of my pain, so that I could proclaim him even to the Gentiles. Have you ever wondered in Acts chapter 16, how was it that the Philippian jailer was converted? How did, we, we, we know that he was singing and Paul was probably talking to him, but he's the prisoner. How is it possible that would happen? I've got to believe that this gives us some clues to how that would happen, that Paul was strengthened by Christ so that the jailer said, I don't know what's going on in that dude's life, but there's something remarkably different because he has no reason to be hopeful. He has no reason to have any joy. He has no reason. All of his circumstances are bad, and everyone around him is seeming to understand their circumstances and sort of responding in the appropriate manner. But this dude over here, his circumstances are the same, and he is singing to this guy Jesus. He's proclaiming this message of hope. He, He seems to be strengthened by the fact that we've put him in prison. It doesn't make sense. He was converted because Jesus shined through Paul as Paul was submitted to his word. We don't have an option to lead ordinary lives as Christians, friends. Our message is proclaimed even in our grief, even in our loneliness, even in our feelings of abandonment, even in whatever those heart level issues that we struggle with that are real And Jesus needs to come alongside and bandage us up and give us hope in all those things. We proclaim this message from a position of strength because we know the one who strengthens us. That's what Jesus does. He meets us through his word. We all, I believe, have a copy of this book. You at least have it on your phones right now. Hope you also have a physical copy. We can know God. We can be strengthened by his word. Do not treat this book as a commodity to sit on a shelf, to be dealt with flippantly. There's a whole other message in just the helpfulness and the authority and the veracity and the truthfulness and all of those things of scripture, but We can be ministered to if you're hurting, if you're grieving, which we all are in some way. We are all longing for something. We can meet Jesus and we can know him. And we can be strengthened so that our lives can be used to proclaim this message. Paul was able to live the life that he did because he knew finally that rescue was coming. Look as he closes. He says that he proclaimed this message fully and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth at the end of verse 17. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Do your best to come to me. I long to see you, Timothy. I miss you. I need some of these things. Bring me some stuff. I'm hurting. I'm lonely. I'm scared. I'm alone. I'm cold. All of those emotions. I'm strong in Christ because rescue is coming. I have hope. Paul had anchored his life to this. I know that Jesus will rescue me from every evil deed. Every evil deed done against him, done to others, 
through him in whatever means, he knew that he would ultimately have victory and would bring Paul safely into his kingdom. This is the hope of the gospel. If you're a guest here this morning and you're wondering why is it that we sing the way we sing, why is it that we listen to this guy on a stage the way you do and some people actually look and talk back to him and write notes down like why do they do all these why are you doing all these weird things the reason that we do any of these things is because we've put our lives we've put our hope in this Jesus who came for me he came to redeem me and I'm lonely and I feel abandoned at times and yet I'm not without hope because I know that Messiah I know that Savior I know what he did on the cross for me I know what I deserved was death, and through him I've been given life. And because I've been given life, I'm now strengthened by that. And I can live with hope. Paul had tested the message of the gospel against his own life, and he found it to be true. Sitting alone in that jail cell, abandoned by most of his friends, he found that Jesus was his only hope and that Jesus was enough. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called A Grief Observed, and he wrote this book as he was bereaving his wife. And he says in that book, you never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. As he grieved the loss of his wife, C.S. Lewis was testing his belief Do I believe the gospel? He had proclaimed it through that earlier book, Mere Christianity and various ministries over a long life. But in that moment when his wife was no longer by his side and he was living in the loneliness and the heartbreak of losing her, his faith was tested. And like Paul, Lewis found the gospel to be true, to give him hope. Paul says, I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Death has no claim on me. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. The Lord will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. In spite of all that I see around me, In spite of what I am feeling in these moments, Paul was proclaiming the message of the gospel because he knew where that hope came from. And he was sure of that being true. He was sure of the Jesus that had redeemed him. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the preaching of God's Word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 2300 Vineyard Hill Lane, and we hope to see you there soon. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God and the good of the city.